0: Today we have Travis Lloyd on the show. Travis Lloyd is a former foster kid turned hip-hop artist, healthcare professional, and former mental health crisis worker who dropped out of his doctoral program to pursue a purpose-driven life, inspiring others to do the same through living healthier, happier, and more successful lives. In this episode, Travis talks about his life growing up and how he made the change to become who he is today and discusses how he took the dive in to become a public speaker. He shares with us his techniques on how to become a good public speaker and also gives us his rituals that he does before his presentations that can help give a great show. Then he goes on to explain the process of writing his book, Overcoming Emotional Trauma, Life Beyond Survival Mode. At the end, he gives us some great tips on how to increase sales online and also learn how to take your business to the next level. Before we get started, I just want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Arctic Stick, a new innovative product that both cools and flavors your bottled beverage. I love using Arctic Stick when I go to the gym every day. It allows me to keep my beverage cold through the entire workout, and also it allows me to transport liquids. I can put my energy shot inside And in the middle of my workout, if I need a little more energy, I'll pop a top and take a shot, or you can twist and drop into your drink to turn into an energy drink. Arctic Stick lets you inside. Be prepared to take on your summer with Arctic Stick. You can check it out at ArcticStick.com. That's www.arcticstick.com. Get yourself, order some Arctic Sticks, and be prepared to take on your summer. So let's get into today's show. I'm excited to talk with Travis here. Uh, Travis is a good friend of mine. I met here a few months back. Very unique individual and has a very unique story. Uh, Growing up, Travis uh, didn't have the best life. He had some struggles, but he is living proof that you can get through anything and become whatever you want to become in life and conquer whatever goals you want to achieve. So starting out, Travis... This one here, tell me about your lifestyle growing up and how you got to where you are today.
1: Sure, sure. Um, well, you know, everywhere I go, I kind of seem to get that uh, emphasis on a rough childhood because I guess that's kind of how I, I built my name and my my image and my brand. Um, but before I share any of that, I really want to share you know, the, the undertone of my story and everything that I do is really based around resiliency and just learning how to be a lifelong learner and overcomer in in, in order to achieve just a healthier, happier in life in general. Um, and as, as you know, a lot of people who go through difficult times oftentimes are forced to do that maybe a little earlier than some others who might have had a little uh, easier of a path. So with that being said, I guess I'll just share... Um, one of the biggest things that uh, got me where I'm at is my affiliation with foster care uh, in, in the foster care and child welfare markets. And that's because I actually experienced foster care for the first time when I was about nine years old. Um, going through a couple of homes was was an eye opener for me, uh, you know, for for all of the people who. Uh, are kind of used to life a certain way, and then all of a sudden life slaps you across the face, and, and uh, wherever you thought you were going is all of a sudden different, and you're out of your zone. Uh, that's how it felt going into my first foster home, um, and a lot of people who went through the system had, a lot, had, a, had it a lot worse off than I did. Um, I actually only went through like two foster homes in the Seattle, King County area, um, before I, f- I met some family um, that I never knew I had before. My, my aunt and uncle and my grandfather um, right. and his uh, new wife had come out to Seattle when, when my parents went through a divorce and things got nasty, the domestic violence, the courts, the uh, trips to the psychiatric hospital, the, everything that was going down, and my sister ended up uh, in rehab. I was nine and she was 15. Oh, wow. Yeah. Young She coped a little differently different. than I did. Yeah. Everybody um, does. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the one thing about it. And that's, you know, the undertone of what I like to share is, you know, traumatic experiences are truly in the eye of the beholder and everyone responds differently.
0: I, I would really say, too, uh, how you're raised. I always say about how you're raised and what you went through as a child really forms your life in the future. And good and bad that happened to you when you were young can be to your advantage and disadvantage. So you look at in life all the people that have had a rough childhood. It's really made them appreciate things more and drive more moving forward further in life. But uh, so what? What was your key uh, point that had you make a change where things were down, things weren't going good? Where you made a change in your life and decided, hey, I wanna, I wanna take myself to the next level. Whatever it is.
1: Sure. Sure. Well, um, really, it was it, it it was a matter of having like just one person impact my life in a certain way that opened my eyes to the world around me. Um, when you when you're when you're stuck living in that lifestyle, you know, after after a while, when my when my family had come and got me. Um, they brought brought us back to Iowa, so there's a huge culture shift, and a big <laughs> change. Uh, but the one thing I learned is that you can't run from your problems, and no matter no matter where you're at, uh, until you change your mindset and learn how to view things differently, it, it still happens. And that's what happened. My my sister uh, got out of rehab, and my mom got out of the uh, uh, her mental health stay uh, after having been put on a, a ton of psychotropic medications, very unnecessarily. Uh, and uh, and in that in that midst things continue to get worse. And I went through, uh, group homes and was institutionalized myself. And during those times, man, like after a while, it just, it just knocks you down and you start to realize that you, you, you just accept that you're not going to be anybody and you accept where you're at in life because it's too difficult to try and see anything else. Uh, you, you know, you, you, you take one step forward and, Five steps back, and and that's just the way it is over and over. And 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 when there was a turning point for me at a very young age, it was just simply when one person took the time to to show me uh, kindness, to show me uh, potential, to show me different opportunities, things that I would have never been able to see based off of my experiences. And and you're you're very very right. Like our our childhood experiences shape who we are and in our personality and where we're going to be. Um, but the one thing I learned is that once I had those, those people who just took the time to give a crap enough, um, man, like in seeing the world through a different lens for the first time, even at a young age, it, that helped, helped me learn that you can, no matter where you come from, it's possible to find where you want to go even if you don't know exactly. as long as you continue to put your deal you know, think outside of the box and, and receive new inputs.
0: What what kind of people helped you uh, I mean realize that? Were you around people that were um, your age or mentors that were motivational? Who helped sure. you find <laughs> that
1: out? It's so it's so so simple actually. One it was it was a tiny little thing, um, and I share this in my presentations all over the country. I, this this little blurb, five minute blurb in my speech, that's called just one person, uh, where how just one person can make a big negative impact that is a lifelong memory in your brain, or just one person can make a really positive impact that y- is there for you. You that memory in, in, in that encourages you and reminds you of who who you are and how great you are stays in your brain. And and the one the one thing that was a biggest memory for me was my eighth grade year. Um, and I, I had like almost flunked out of middle school. I was threatened to get h- held back several times, and then during my eighth grade year, I ended up getting a stable place to live, and, yeah. and you know my behaviors improved, my grades improved. And it, on the very last day of school, I remember Mrs. Ross. Okay, she was my eighth grade language arts teacher. Yeah, and, and my like all these other people, I don't remember the names, but I remember Mrs. Ross. Okay. And, and she stopped me on the way out. And it was the last day, like a f- just very short amount of time left in the day. And she like touched my arm in the hallway and I like jumped back. And I was like, whoa, wh-? like I really, I was like, oh, really, I'm going to get suspended in the last 20 minutes of school. Like <laughs> I was just so used to being in trouble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do I do now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but instead of, instead of uh, punishing me, she just put her hand on my shoulder and she said, you know, Travis, Mr. Fedler and I, the science teacher, we always like to pick somebody out every year. Uh, and this isn't something that's recognized in a school assembly, nobody else knows about this, but we like to choose one person that we feel has improved the most. And, and we just want you to know that we chose you this year. And, and you've, you've improved your grades, you've improved your ability to get along in class and and we're really proud of you and we think you're going to be successful in high school.
0: Oh wow. I bet that felt awesome. Yeah,
1: like it, it, after like and after having been on probation and having my probation officer tell me I was worthless and and uh, all of these people look at what my family was going through, you know, my sister was a drug dealer by this time. And so I was really I was really compared to all these people and with lower expectations, and so with all of that negative input, in the fact that I—I w- I mean, I was on probation because I was starting to live up to that negative, you know, stereotype uh, of being in trouble, running the streets, and stealing. And uh, man, I can't tell you how amazing it felt to just have one person take the time to recognize potential and tell me, um, and that, like that—that that one moment was like, wow. I'm not stupid.
0: It gave you that extra push. Yeah. Yeah. I, we all need that more often. I mean, we all have times where we do dumb things and we make mistakes and we need them people around us that tell us, Hey, you're, you're doing all right. I'm, yeah. I'm very proud of what you're doing and you need to surround yourself with like-minded individuals. Uh, you had talked to me one time about a low point. I think you were uh, living in a trailer and you uh, were thinking about your life, and I i know you had always, growing up, wanted to be a motivational speaker. And uh, I guess speak upon that low point and where you came from the mind of thinking thinking about becoming a motiva- motivational speaker and doing, where you actually sure. made the commitment and said, hey, I'm going to do this.
1: Well, I tell you what, man, it's actually much more complicated than that. Um, I think our conversation that we had was, I kind of mentioned when I was like 10 years old and I just I, I felt this connection to like R&B music and love songs and everything. So when I was 10 in this trailer with the tin roof, you know, like if the wind blew too much, you got a you got a draft. If it rained, <laughs> it pinged on the roof. I know, you know the feeling it. Yeah. And, uh, and I'd just be sitting in my in my bedroom, sitting staring out the window with my notepad writing love songs um, because I could relate to the feelings, the emotions. There were big, big emotions just like I had big, big emotions um, when dealing with stress in, in, in my life, you know, as we all do. And uh, it was then when I had this dream of like being on stage and like having that be my lifestyle and I didn't correlate it with money or finances or what it really meant. But I, like I just envisioned myself on stage and, uh, um, And then through the years, I kind of got smacked with reality. The fact that I came from poverty. Yeah. Um that, like, by the time I was 15, 14, actually, well, by the time I was 11 and 12, I was stealing in order to try and make money and reselling things in order to make sure I had money to buy ice cream in the a la carte line so I could be like the other kids. Seriously. (laughs) And and then, you know, by the time I was 14, 15, I was like, okay, you know, I I had some positive influences. Let me try to do it right. So let me get some jobs. So I started working, you know, in high school and, and was faced with this reality of since I come from poverty I need to find a way to get out of poverty and nobody's going to hand it to me so I dedicated my life to just working and then as I transitioned through taking some business classes and then becoming a registered nurse there was this economic um, decision that pushed me into healthcare. so I would have a minimum of 50k you know, per year working three 12-hour shifts per week yep. that would allow me to then work on my passion of creative arts and writing songs. Like, I turned it to turned it into writing hip-hop lyrics and and recording songs and poetry, and I had no clue that I was going to do public speaking by this point. Um, but I just had a passion for it, yeah. and so I did it. Like, I would be in, in school, like, going to pharmacology class at 8 a.m. after being in the studio, like, learning about recording until 7 a.m., Uh, and, and then where that transitioned actually was when I learned how to be selfless and learned how my experiences could impact others in a positive way. And that didn't come until I reached a point in my life where I was working these 12 hour shifts, the economic decision I made to get to that point, to be able to take care of myself financially, put me, helped me, helped me have all my basic needs met. And yep. then I realized that I, I was not happy. I wasn't satisfied. I didn't feel like I was living a purpose-driven life. So I, I took advantage of an opportunity that came my way to volunteer with a foster care program with teenagers in foster care and help them learn how to advocate for themselves, create legislative action, cha- you know, legislative changes yeah. to improve the child welfare system that, is, that they have to deal with. Um, and th- that led to opportunities to share my own story of, of having been in foster care and the, thing, the, the troubles that I faced. And next thing you know, people were asking me, hey, can you come do that here? Can you come talk to this group of social workers? Come speak everywhere. How about at this national foster care conference in in Atlanta? Oh, can you come help start a similar program in Las Vegas? And all of that happened, um, you know, and it started because I took advantage of an opportunity to be selfless.
0: You know, the best speakers out there, and you're talking about it was coming from your experiences, from heart the best speakers out there tell a great story and they have a story to tell to other individuals where they can relate to them. And I mean, you're always telling me you're always going across the country and speaking all over the place. You're getting booked all the time. It's crazy. It's awesome. It's it's awesome. And you, you love what you do. When you first started out, uh, were you a good speaker? Was it kind of hard getting going or how did you even get that? that Okay. So this
1: is where this really ties into your audience, bro. Okay. Young entrepreneurs. The one thing that I learned through all this, because I've been, I mean, going down this path now for like solid for eight years, and and the the one thing that I found is that you're never ready, you're never prepared, and you can study and study successful people and mentors as much as you want, but until you fake it till you become it, until you to you put your put your foot out there and just do it. Nothing happens. And and that's what it and that's what it took for me is I just like I, I sucked. I was horrible, but I saw an opportunity and, and I said and I said, let me let me do this because I, I feed off of this. I got energy from it and I loved it. And I loved that even though I sucked, there was still some somebody out there in that audience that needed a message that was going to allow them to move one step further in life. And, and no matter whether I bombed it or whether I did great, I've never had an event where I didn't get at least one person come to me in tears and tell me that they're going to change their life. And, and that's amazing. Yeah. It's super cool. And so what I, what I learned from that is just putting myself out there on whatever it is I believe in, after a while, the what you need, as long as you're being focused and have dedication, and you do the, you do enough research, and then more importantly, you take whatever research you do and put it into practice
0: and actually do it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> just simply do it, even if you don't really understand it completely yet. Yeah, because once you do it. you'll you'll learn from it and be able to understand it better so the next time you do it, you'll be one step further than the other person who gave up.
0: And I always say the best teacher is yourself. And we've all studied. I mean, we want to do something, want to become great at something. We've all studied it, studied other people, listened to motivational videos, but you can only do so much of that. You Mm -hmm. can't have things just right. You just got to jump right in, feet first, learn from your mistakes, and you learn quick. I mean... In a matter of weeks, you can learn so much by just doing. Yeah. And doing is a key. I mean, you do got to give some preparation and uh, prepare yourself for it. But it, there's a certain point where you just got to make that jump in. And like you said, you went in. I mean, you weren't the, the best speaker at the time. You even told, I think, one time you said you you choked on stage. Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: there was there was one time I choked completely on stage. It was out of high school. And it was, it was an audience that I was not familiar with. It was a very kind of a... A rural country, a lot of farmers, cowboy types, yeah, and uh, in Iowa, yeah, and my, yeah, and, and my, my biggest audience, no matter where I was in the country, was at-risk teens, urban teens, kids that were, you know, running through gangs, kids that were living in the streets, homeless in shelters, like trying to motivate them, and also like the professionals who work with those people, and that was my biggest audience. I'd never done anything outside of that realm, and and. I had just done. Uh, I'd actually done a a statewide 4-H conference in Missouri, like the month before I had this event, and it went really well. So I I was overconfident, and I didn't yeah. prepare enough. I didn't research enough. Um, and when I and when I got there, I was like, oh, that one went really well. I can just do the same thing again. And uh, and man, I, it just. Seriously, like I'm lucky that I had backups with me, like other presenters who I brought to do activities, because one of them actually ended up having to take the last 40 minutes of the event.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. But that low point, I mean, there's... No worse than that going out. I mean, you look at it, it's like, I'm only getting better from here yeah. on out.
1: Well, and, and I, actually, I actually just, my spirit died after that. I didn't do anything for another year. Wow. And I just like got, a, I got a random like side job just doing other things. Like, cause I didn't want to go back to work full time in a hospital. Yeah. So I was like part-time in the hospital, in the ER as a registered nurse. And then I was like part-time as a life coach working with at-risk teens. And then I was like part-time selling bathtubs. <laughs> <laughs> Going speaking and <to> selling bathtubs <laughs> 360 turn For real Now that's a story to
0: tell you in presentation <laughs> I sure hope you tell that I, uh, Wow that's awesome That's the first for me even to learn from you <laughs> yeah. uh, So tell me You you, you learn to become a great presenter. I mean you speak all the time And uh, you're on radio shows and stuff What do you have rituals What do you do I mean what is kind of your uh regular ritual that you do before you speak and how have you become so great at speaking
1: sure sure um first off i i got better when um it, it stopped being about me it was when when i was able to identify that my presence on stage had nothing to do with me it had to do with the impact that i was able to have on the world how my products and my services could improve somebody's life or make somebody's life easier or give joy to somebody's life. And, uh, and once I recognized that, I was able to see who each person in the audience is and what they need, or at least to a certain extent. Um, and, and that made the biggest difference. Uh, re- repeat, repeat the question. Where are we going with this?
0: So you, I basically asking what you're going to the end. you you said you're tailoring to that audience. Every audience is different, yeah. but how have you become the great speaker you are? And then like what, what rituals? Do you have something you sure, do rituals. before Sorry. you actually speak?
1: Yeah, so um, I, do a lot of, I do a lot of research before. And, I, and I've found that I'm the type of person that since I work hard to tailor it to things, I, I do a lot of research, I do a lot of planning. And then um, my, my biggest ritual is no matter how far out I am uh, from the event... As long as within a week of the event, I actually do my entire keynote. I I talk through it at least two times, and one time immediately before the event, either the l- late the night before or it, like literally forty minutes before I go on stage, uh, I, I I go through it. I walk through it. I if I have a presentation on the screen, I I. I PowerPoint through it, or actually, I use Prezi because PowerPoint's kind of boring compared to Prezi. Yeah, I agree. With you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and then before I get on stage, I make sure I actually kind of I kind of cheat because I I try to do I actually use my pre-workout. Oh. so like <laughs> <laughs> okay
0: that's a first I've never heard that one before
1: so uh, cause I, I I read a I read a when I was really really nervous preparing for an event once yeah I was reading blogs from other successful speakers about like what their rituals are and one of them was like well actually what I do is 30 minutes before I go on stage I drink a Pepsi <laughs> like to get that little bit of a boost in their energy level before they get on stage wow and so and I don't like Pepsi uh well I I don't like soda because it makes me feel like crap. Because all the yeah, traffic. same here. So I, agree. I have a I have a pre workout that you know is a little healthier and ha- but still has the same energy boost gives you that jolt. So I, I carry that with me in my in my camera bag everywhere I go, and uh, and and I and I hit that. Then uh, I try to have like some hot water with with lemon in it uh, available throughout the event. Uh, and i do it and i and i do a workout too like even if it's not a full workout yep. even if it's just 15 minutes like before i before i shower and put my clothes on for the event i'm i'm pushing like some squats and push-ups yep. and pull-ups uh and and getting my blood flowing
0: Get that uh, serotonin before, rush yeah before
1: yeah. before i even put the clothes on
0: yeah i'm the same way out before i speak i'll i'll do a hard workout but dude yeah. i I've never heard the pre-workout before. I can just see myself if I took it, scratching my face, speaking 100 miles per hour for the well, first 10 that's, minutes. Just going it's, like crazy. See, that's the thing is, I found <laughs> one. I
1: found one that doesn't give me like a head rush. Yeah. You know, it just gives me a nice steady energy boost, and I yeah. and I use it consistently, and then I and then I stop, and I take a break and don't use anything for a couple of weeks, clean yeah. cleanse my system, and then, nice. You know, so it's so it doesn't it, it doesn't affect me to the point where I'm like you know, getting jacked out of my mind, <laughs> but, but it, it's since I, since I use it consistently in my life, in my, in, in the importance of daily habits, yeah, um, it, it just helps me feel at home and calmed no matter where I'm at in the, in the country or world.
0: Do you, do you still get nervous when you go on stage
1: every time, man? Yeah. Yeah. What, which that's I, good. Yeah. I, if you're not getting nervous, then that means you didn't prepare. Yeah. You know, it means you didn't do your research. It means you didn't rehearse and, 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 and no matter how good you are, how great you are, how much you get paid to speak, um, if, you, if you're not getting nervous, then you know, you're going to stop getting booked.
0: And I'm telling you, that feeling before you go and speak, I, I live for. It. I mean, that stuff is what makes you better. I don't yeah. know what it is. That nervous reaction, then butterflies in your stomach before you speak. There's maybe 50 people, 100 or thousands. It makes you a better speaker. And it yeah. makes you more passionate and talk about your things
1: from the heart. Well and, and that's a thing and that's another good thing for your audience is is to keep in mind um, no matter what you no matter what your goals are as an entrepreneur if you put yourself out there and learn how to do public speaking and you practice it um, a it's going to broaden your audience uh, but b it's going to improve your perceived credibility by anyone who's around you because it improves your ability to to have self confidence to walk with your shoulders back and your head held high to talk about your product or your service with confidence so that so that people can see and feel that you believe in it yourself, which will in turn, cause them to believe in you, which in turn causes them to believe in want, desire, whatever you have.
0: I totally agree yeah. 100%. And that, that leads into you're talking about credibility. You just wrote a book, Overcoming Emotional Trauma. Yeah. Uh, tell me about that. Tell me about your book and tell me for somebody out there that is thinking about writing a book. I'll tell you right now, I'm in the process of writing Young Entrepreneur Lessons Learned by 25. And it's difficult. I mean, it's a lot of commitment you got to give to yourself to keep writing and target your audience. So. Tell me about the process of writing your book and how it came about and where you are today. Sure, sure. Um,
1: Well, I think where I'd want to go with that is um, just kind of telling the the process of it. Like, I had an idea for a book several years ago, actually when I was 25. Yeah. And (laughs) uh, I didn't know where to go with it. Uh, I sat on it for a long time. And between the ages of 25 and 29, I... You know that that was between that time is when I completely bombed it on stage and gave up for a year and killed my spirit, and um, and then came back around, and I actually applied like I was getting ready to apply to medical school, yep. Uh to try and build my perceived credibility that way. And uh, but then I realized I was like, if I do this, I'm gonna want to become a psychiatrist. But since I'm already a registered nurse with a bachelor's degree, <laughs> I could actually do a doctoral degree in nursing and become a nurse practitioner who, who specializes in psychiatry which would be the same exact job as a psychiatrist so i actually applied got accepted enrolled in a doctoral of nursing practice program uh and my whole goal in mind was to build my perceived credibility by becoming a higher level clinician so that i could put doctoral on the title uh, on my title when I'm on my book cover you know what I'm saying yeah and so here's a lesson to be learned and and I and I realized I was doing that just to boost my entrepreneurial efforts down the line and uh, and instead of killing myself and of not doing what I'm passionate about what I love for four years before I can build a practice for two to four years before I start my entrepreneurial efforts again. So now we're damn near a, de- a decade down the road before I'm actually st- able to utilize what I started at that point. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so a week before classes hit, I, uh, I had this, you know, epiphany that like, gosh, I don't need this. And I had several months before that I had some opportunities to speak and travel with the Department of Education, which helped open my mind to different opportunities, better understand the world of professional speaking in the different markets and what kind of funds were available in different markets. Uh, And so a week before classes, I I said, screw this. I'm going to find a way to have the same credibility without going and getting my doctoral degree because I don't need it. And so what I did actually was I contacted a, a, a psychologist who, is, who I had networked with a few years before, and he's internationally known, published eight, eight books. His name was Dr. Gregory Keck. He actually passed away just last month. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. And, uh, and he, he said, yeah, man, use my name. Use my titles. Like, That's I'll, awesome. I'll, ri- I'll help you write in your book. like I'll contribute to your mm-hmm. book. And he followed through with that, and he did it. And so I built the perceived credibility yep. by having an internationally known psychologist with a doctoral degree as a contributing author in my book. Um, and, and
0: people like that are always willing to help, too. Yeah, I mean. yeah.
1: And 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 so the thing is that I was so confident in my message that I knew that it was going to be helpful, but some people who place so much emphasis on a degree behind a name uh, don't Receive it as well. So, so I've taken care of both sides of things. And he, he, as a, psych, a developmental psychologist with 25 years of experience, said, "Yeah, everything you're writing is on point. It's up to date. It's current. This is the type of stuff that needs to be coming through the government." Like, wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I got the credibility right there. And uh, and once he agreed to do that, I said, "Okay, it's time to it's time to knock this out." And the process of writing the book. Um, what I what I did, I because I work best with deadlines, and I needed a deadline, but I didn't have a deadline, because I was like in the process of becoming self-employed and doing whatever the hell I wanted when I wanted, you know? Yeah. And um, and it took a while to learn how to function properly with that. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but what I did to create a deadline was I started promoting my book, uh, with the title. Uh, to events who were hiring me to speak. And I didn't have a lot of them hiring me at the time, but every time somebody made it to my website and requested me for a speaking engagement, I would say, we'll give you a 20% discount on my speaking fee, plus a 40% discount on all book orders if you order 250 or more books. Wow. Here's the book title. Didn't have it listed anywhere online, nothing. And uh, I, I got contracted with a department of justice Chief of Justice hired me to do a tour with in the state of South Dakota, and uh, and they ordered 350 books for all their attendees, all the judges, lawyers, social workers, CASA workers, so, you know, child welfare advocates. Um, so, wait, you, you sold these books before you even wrote it? Yeah,
0: that's awesome.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so, I had 350 pre-orders, and I had eight months to complete the book uh, before the conference date. And, uh, I, I started, I got excited once I got the order. So I started writing and, but I, did I, real, did I realize I didn't know how to write it or what I was going to write about? <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> you gave the promise like, Oh, what do I do now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, so about, about six weeks out from the event date, I, I was, I was like, okay, let me start this. And then about four weeks out, I was like, I should really start this now. <laughs> <laughs> so how long did you write the majority
0: of the book? How much so time frame? I'd say
1: probably 90% of my book uh, I wrote in three weeks. Uh, and I spent about 20 hours a day. I'd sleep from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And I'd stay up all day and night. Um, knocking that book out and wow and uh and i did during that time i also did research on best practices for writing books and realized while doing that research that the way that i was doing it was not the most efficient um and so i adjusted my my path because i was basically just trying to find topics that i was, was passionate about and then finally i was like wait a second like I've got a good keynote presentation I've been doing. Why don't I just take like specific topics from there, and I'll write on those because I, I know that I know that information and I know that it's powerful and impactful. So I took those and I and I wrote some chapters based off of things that were in my keynote, and uh, and then once I, you know, created that, I was able to take those chapter titles, create an outline for where it was, and then look at okay what's the, who's the end user of this book? What do I want them to take away from this? And I was able to fill in the rest of the chapters, organize it, and then finish writing them um, 20 hours a day for three weeks and had just enough time. I literally had five days to have the books in print and mailed to South Dakota. And so luckily I found a website that that did three-day printing on large-order books.
0: Wow. Yeah. You, uh... You did a lot in a short period of time. Uh, Travis, just a few things before I go here. Well, first off, where can the listeners, where can they find your book? Where can they get their hands on it so they can read it themselves? Sure.
1: Well, um, here's, here's one thing, uh, another tip for your listeners, is I, I encourage everyone to learn, study, research, understand search engine optimization, because that is the one thing that has pushed my career from the jump, because I spent three months solid studying and implementing search engine optimization on a website that I built for free that was whack, that I built in iWeb on my first Mac computer. <laughs> and uh, and that's what got me going. And so that's what makes it easy for people to find me, uh, because if you... Simply Google search the term overcoming emotional trauma. My book will pop up in Amazon. Um, You can find it on like the Facebook page where um, overcoming emotional trauma on Facebook where there's like inspirational quotes that come out of the book that we post regularly. Um, And you can just find me anywhere simply by Google searching Travis Lloyd or visit my website www.travislloyd.net with two L's.
0: That is awesome, Travis. We'll have everything posted below too, so the viewers can uh, check that out and order your book. A few, three questions, well not three questions I'm going to ask you, but uh, what I ask everybody that comes on the show is, what are three key tips, things you've learned or just tips for young entrepreneurs out there, would you tell them that can help them in their life, whatever they want to do with it's to become a great athlete, entrepreneur, better in their business. What are three tips that you have for them?
1: The biggest one that I would say is um, focus, on, focus on what's important in life. Before you focus on your business, before you focus on anything else, have your mental and emotional well-being really, really strongly intact uh, and prioritized in, in the what comes with that is maintaining the important relationships in your life. Um, whether it's your significant other or, or, or your family members, even if it's people you don't even have great relationships with, but, but knowing how important those connections in our, are and how that ties into who we are, uh, and, and how stable we are in order to deal with stressful situations. Um, because as an entrepreneur, you run into stressful situations all the time. All the time. <laughs> and uh, if your if you're mental and emotional is on point, then you're much cap- much more capable of getting through them and landing on your feet. The other part that goes with that is physical exercise – physical exercise is one of the biggest things that helps keep your mind right. And, and you, you and I know that. I mean, we, oh, I agree. we, we, uh, we've kind of become workout buddies. Now. Workout every day. So, so, um, and I, and I appreciate the accountability. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's better when you got somebody yeah. pushing you. Yeah. And, and so having accountability in your life, maintaining your physical wellness, uh, allows you to better maintain your mental and emotional wellness. And then in turn allows you to focus on the hard work and dedication that pushes you through in in. and, and, and And if there was one other thing I would say is just remember that there's always somebody else who's been in your shoes. We are repeating history, maybe just changing it a little bit. So never, ever feel like you're alone and always find somebody who's done what you want to do and then follow in their footsteps.
0: So true. Great stuff, Travis. Hey, thank you for coming on the show today. Appreciate you, man. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you missed anything, go to my website, www.brandontadams.com, and check out all the notes I have on today's show. That's it for today. Hope you have a great day. And remember, go out there and create something great and become unforgettable. Because heck, life's too short not to. See you guys later.
1: And now it's hard to find the good in me. All I ever wanted was to dream. But running from my life is what i see. Nightmares took it over daily basis. And now it's hard to find the good in me. I remember clear as day, yeah, this big black hole. It could have been a warehouse or it could have been a mall. All I know is that there's no life and I'm having a ball. You see this big black ball is rolling after me. And I fall, there's no way I let it capture me Dripping these me. shoes I'm getting battered and bruised uh, Wondering if I lose And what the future holds to Wiping sweat from my face And I'm running in place Wondering why I pray While I'm praying for grace And I got this I try to stay sane But going crazy is my kids It's still deep inside I'm wondering why I'm running I'm running Wondering why I'm running I'm all I ever wanted What's dream Was to dream is what I see, when I see. Nightmares oh, took it over, over daily, basis. daily basis And now it's hard to find the good in me yeah. All I ever wanted was to dream